In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may our attitude and spirit be like that of Samuel who said, Speak, O Lord, your servant hears. Amen. When we hear the word test, perhaps many of us think of a sharpened number two pencil, a silent classroom with a ticking clock, and a silent prayer that goes something along the lines of, Dear God, please don't let me get an F. But not all tests are with pencil and paper, or get graded with letters like A+, or C-. Some tests are administered by oral questioning, or by judging reactions. Sometimes these sort of tests are impromptu, or spontaneous, or are administered secretly, kind of like a pop quiz. It's this sort of test that Jesus often administered so to test one's faith. And the conversation between Jesus and the Canaanite or Syrophoenician woman was a test of faith like this. Now, as Pastor was so keen to point out in his sermon last week, God may test his people, but he never tempts them. The difference between a test and a temptation is that a test gives an opportunity for faith to be strengthened, whereas a temptation, on the other hand, seeks only to tear a person down. All of this is to say that Jesus, in this interaction with this woman, is testing faith. But Jesus here is not only testing the woman's faith, but also that of his disciples. Yet, his disciples did not see that this was a test. They just saw this woman as a nagger, just wanting to get something off of them. After all, Jesus had healed several people of various maladies by this point, and had fed upwards of 5,000 people and expelled a few demons. This was just another poor person, and this act was getting very old. I mean, come on, what are the Romans going to get kicked out? Why bother with this woman? Oh, and worse still is that this woman is not one of the children of Israel. Oh, no. She was a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician, one of the historical enemies of Israel. She and her people had no right to the promised land. So as far as the disciples were concerned, she was unclean by the very fact she was not one of them. Oh, Never mind the fact that Jesus and his disciples were at that very moment in Tyre and Sidon, on her turf. But after all, previously Jesus had sent the disciples only out to the lost sheep of Israel, when he said back in Matthew chapter 10, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." But perhaps the greatest mistake the disciples have made at this point is they seem to have forgotten the words of Jesus, including the ones that he spoke to them right before they ran into this woman. And those words were, it's not external factors, what goes into a person that defiles them, but rather, as Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. And if those words weren't enough, furthermore, the disciples seemed to have forgotten that Jesus had healed a Roman centurion's son and commended that Gentile by saying, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. 
And Jesus knew what was on the hearts of his disciples. After all, in order to be a good test giver, a good teacher, you have to know the people you're testing. Jesus knew what his disciples were thinking, and he played right into it. Take, for example, the woman's perceived nagging. Jesus plays right into that. He brushes her off and ignores her, even after she proclaims him to be the son of David, which, by the way, is a messianic title. He plays into the fact that this woman is a Gentile. When she kept pleading, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, uh uh-oh, she's not an Israelite. But she kept pleading. So Jesus turns up the heat by saying, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, dogs is not an adequate translation of the Greek here. In the original Greek, the word is in a diminutive form, a belittling form. In other words, the translation is not dogs, but little dogs. So this statement of Jesus could be taken as calling this woman a little yappy dog, like a chihuahua. Now, if you were to say, what's up, dog, in the ancient world, that would not be taken as a friendly greeting. It'd be taken as an insult. So not only has Jesus called this woman a dog, which in and of itself is an insult, but a little dog. He's poking fun at her constant high-pitched yappy bark, that is, her repeated pleadings for the well-being of her daughter. Woof. Yet, this woman persisted calmly. She replied to all this, saying, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And with that, the woman passed the test with flying colors. Jesus commended her, saying, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Because of the faith given her by God in hearing about Jesus, she firmly and adamantly believed that he was the son of David. Not only that, she risked humiliation and more to see that her daughter got treatment. And despite being regarded as a nagger and as a foreigner and as a little yappy dog, she endured. She passed the test. But what about the disciples? The disciples failed the test. These guys got shown up by a girl, no less. They, the insiders, didn't get it. They had just heard the words of Jesus, and they fell into the very thing that Jesus had warned against. And how often do we, the insiders, fail like this? Sadly, all the time. As the prophet Isaiah reminds us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Yet, does Jesus give up on his disciples? Absolutely not. His disciples failed the test, yes. But in so failing the test, they were given an opportunity to learn. And so failing the test, perhaps they saw the utter inadequacy of human reasoning. 
Perhaps, in retrospect, they saw in that woman what faith ought to look like. Even failure can be a gift of God. Now, I'm not saying to sin boldly, not at all. Rather, knowing that all of us continue to fight with our old Adam that really doesn't want to drown in the waters of baptism, we will struggle with sin. And when you do sin or make a mistake, however, you have the opportunity not only to learn not to do it again, but also to learn about the grace that God has given you. To learn how he has mercifully forgiven you. In that hour of failure and forgiveness, God also gives you an occasion to grow. The test of the Canaanite woman was far from the last test our Lord posed to his disciples. And it was far from the last one they failed, too. In our Lord's passion, most of the disciples utterly failed. Judas Iscariot betrayed him and committed suicide. St. Peter stoned Jesus not once, but three times that night. And most of the rest of the disciples, including one of them naked, ran away. Only John stayed near. Eleven of the twelve failed. That's not a good track record. But even in that failure, God showed his love for his disciples as well as for you and for me. For in that failure, that weakness, Christ was crucified for the redemption of our sins. He died to forgive the sin of presumptuousness against the Canaanite woman. He died to forgive the sin of betrayal and denial. He died to forgive whatever sin is upon your heart this day. Indeed, from that hour upon the cross when he said, It is finished, we were healed. In that hour of greatest failure, a miscarriage of justice where an innocent man was condemned to death, came the greatest triumph. That is, you and I being declared innocent before God. And from those failures, the disciples grew from them too. Later on, none of them would run away when armed soldiers bore down on them. All the apostles, minus John, were given the test of martyrdom and All the apostles, well, minus John, died a martyr's death. Unfortunately, it's a little dark this evening, so you can't really see the back stained glass, so you'll have to take my word for it. But on the far left one there, if you look at the bottom third, there's an upside-down cross kind of nestled in between the keys. It's better to see when it's daylight out, but it's there. St. Peter did not deny Jesus again. Rather... He proclaimed the message of salvation before rulers and kings until he himself died on an upside-down crucifix in the middle of Rome. So yes, the sting of failure hurts. But rest assured, even in failure, God can work it for good. If God can work the death of the Son for salvation of the world to redeem you and me from certain and eternal death, What can he not do for you? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.